welcome to another episode of Empire Building, where we talk about how to build massive empires and even bigger lives. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my personal favorite subjects, which is culture. And the people in your organization, do they match your culture? Have you ever looked around your organization and like, who, who are these people? Who are these they don't, people? They don't match what I'm about at all. I know all three of us have had those <laughs> moments. Yes. I'm Sarah Reynolds, and I'm one of the hosts today. And I'm Wendy Papazian. And I'm Seychelle Van Poole. And welcome to Empire Building. So just to kind of start out, I hope you got a chance to listen to our last episode, which was on vision, casting the vision. Fantastic idea of that. And so really, I believe that culture is really vision, Mm -hmm. mission, and your values. Mm -hmm. So last time we talked a lot about vision, and this time we're going to dig a little bit more into values and and really your mission statement. So when you take When you take that, right, I think it's easy for us to say, oh, well, I know what my culture looks like. Or, you know, oh, um, everybody in a workforce these days is like, oh, we have a great corporate culture, right? Mm. But like, what's that, what does that actually look like? And how do you actually unpack that into a framework where then you can look at an organization and say, yes, these are in alignment? Because I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. And I love that, Seychelle. I love that you brought that up because I think that sometimes we think that culture is equated with a pool table or free snacks or (laughs) nitro coffee, which those are all great, but that is not your, that's not your culture. And I'll tell you, I mean, I worked in corporate advertising up in Manhattan and we had ping pong and huge hecky sack, right? You know, like loungers and beer on tap and, you know, because Budweiser is one of our accounts, right? And we had all those things, but that didn't necessarily equate to anything of a positive culture, right? Those were perks, but those weren't necessarily anything indicative of the ground floor culture of an organization. Exactly. Well, so how do we define our culture? Well, I think one of the things I've admired about you, Wendy, is understanding your personal sort of mission Mm -hmm. for your life Mm -hmm. and really building your culture around your personal mission. Mm -hmm. I think it would be awesome for our listeners to hear a little bit about that, sort of how you uh, developed your personal mission, how maybe they can too. Sure. Um, and then just share. And then that's the first foundational step is, is developing your personal mission statement. Yeah. Well, I personally believe that everybody is on this planet for a reason. And if you don't know why you're on this planet yet, then it's your job to really to figure it out. Yeah. We're all here for a reason. And so my personal mission is to empower and inspire big thinking leaders to create lives of abundance. And I would tell everyone out there who is thinking about that, that a mission is something that's created over time, mm-hmm. right? And we'll give you, we'll talk about a little framework that you guys can come up with, but it's really something that gets created over time. And, you know, when you first create your mission, you're really just dating it. Yeah. That's a great way to phrase that. You're totally right with that. Yeah, because it's really intimidating to think Mm -hmm. like, oh, I am going to create a one or two sentence statement that's going to, you know, guide my life from here on out. You know, that's kind of paralyzing for some people. That's a, I mean, that's a huge responsibility to carry, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a a lot of us are, you know, entrepreneurial spirits, right? And it's, I mean, when we talked about vision changing and now mission, like you get sort of like, if I say it, does that mean that I have to stay yeah. in this little box that I've created myself in? Which none of us want to be put in a box, no, right? No, uh, no. But what's been cool or about... A corner. Wa- yeah, yeah, or a corner. Yeah, or a corner. Nobody maybe in a corner, yeah. <laughs> what's been cool about watch- watching uh, your sort of culture of your organization, mm-hmm. Wendy, is like, it's so reflective of your personal mission. Yeah. If you look at the culture of your organization, you can see that 
you are about creating abundant thinkers and yeah. creating a, a life around that. Yeah. And so that's been really cool. How did you, what, what was sort of your process around that? Well, like I said, I think it's something that really changes. So when I first started my business, my 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 mission was to, you know, the reason I was in business was to save money on investment properties. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's how I started 10 years ago. That's yeah. why I got that's why I got my real estate license. I had been doing investing. You know, my my son was starting kindergarten. I had a just a pretty low goal of what I was going to do that year and and so that was that was the reason I started my business. Hmm. And so then over time, gradually, as I started, and it's really just about reflecting on it yeah. and ruminating and 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 spending spending time thinking about it. Yeah. Because I think most business owners maybe they just get into the business for one reason or another. Yeah. And uh, and so for me, like real estate, it's never been about real estate for me. I've never been one of those people who loves going into homes or loves to do Mm -hmm. the staging or has all those things. It's really just... um, So for me, I almost had to come up with a reason for like... That wasn't real estate. Yeah. Right? Because that's not not where my heart is. So So one thing you mentioned here that I think is important not to skip over is the white space Mm -hmm. that you create and you're very intentional about setting time aside throughout the year to have that white space for reflection, mm-hmm. for deep thinking, for strategic development in mm-hmm. that area. Because I think so many of us get so busy mm-hmm. um, and busy can be a problem, yeah. right? right? right. Yep. And, and until you stop and are actually taking time to reflect, sometimes it's self-imposed, sometimes it's forced upon you. Um, I think those, those key moments are something you've been really good at yeah. doing. And that's really allowed you then to have the the white space in your world or yeah. the day at sea, as our friend Sue would call it, right? To be able to then the day at sea. focus yeah. on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I think the whole world is is fighting against that with yes. us right now. Yes. The whole world is trying to get our attention every yes. second of every single day. And if we're not pushing back on that, mm-hmm. then we're just going to be flood. We're just going to be flooded with information yep. and ideas and other people's priorities mm-hmm. and. So, you know, honestly, for us, it's just been about taking vacations. Yeah. You know, we love to travel. I mean, what I'm hearing hearing you say, Wendy, is that focusing on time to really have the have the white yes. space to work. Because if you don't, someone else is going to take it, right. right? Yes. I mean, for me, having my third baby and having, you know, uh, eight weeks totally off away mm-hmm. from... The business was one of the best, which is really true. I remember I tried to call you and I could I could never even get through. Yeah, that's that's a great. Well, I had lots. This is a personal. (laughs) (laughs) I had lots of white white space to figure out where we were going and also to figure out you know re sort of calculate or am I going on the path that I wanted to? Exactly, is my mission on path right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important for all of us to be forced to do that a minimum of once a year of like total white space of thinking that through. And then you create your, why that's so important is you're at the head, right? You're the leader that's guiding everyone in your organization. If you don't know your personal mission and what you're about, then clearly your culture of your organization is going to be all over the place. How is is anybody else supposed to represent it? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think I will admit that was way, the white space was way easier for me before having our daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I will say after becoming a mom, all of the white space gets filled well, with Especially she's these, a bad sleeper. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's 24-7 over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our, our daughter's amazing. And my husband, You're like, Nick, any space like, would be great. Yeah. Any, <laughs> yeah. Any, any space. Don't, don't worry. These um, podcasts will be off the air by the time she's yeah. on. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Quinn, don't listen to that part. Um, 
But I do, I do think though that all of us have, have our parents right on this podcast, and we talk about the challenge that it is when you can cheat before kids because you have a lot more uncommitted time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, when you have kids, I have one. When you have two, Sarah, you have three. Right. That that's a totally different time commitment on that side, and you're squeezing everything else in to make sure that you can be the parent you want to be as well. Yeah. And so I think that creating that intentionally intentionality around having this time dedicated on your calendar where it's an appointment yeah. with yourself instead of lucky or haphazard, right? Which we could do before kids. It was like, yeah. oh, I have an afternoon off. Well, I can go deep think and drink coffee and like do my journaling. It's like, I don't get to do that now. So I have to be more intentional about when that happens. Well, I also think that a personal mission will help you will help guide your choices, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, if you so know, true. if you know why you're here and why you're on the planet, because a lot of us in this industry, honestly, we have a yes problem. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. We just want to say yes to everything. Yep. I know my tendency is towards that. One of the great things about having a mission is that it gives you total clarity about what to say yes to and what to say no to. Let me just give you a great example. So I'm chairman of the board for Keller Williams Kids Can, which is a it's actually one of Gary Keller's nonprofit organizations that's right. affiliated with Keller Williams. Um, and the their mission is to engage the next generation of entrepreneurs and leaders in conversations that matter. And we talk a lot about living your best life in mm-hmm. um, QL, which is a class that the organization teaches. And so when I had the opportunity to step up to the plate there, I, I jumped on it. And if I had had the same opportunity to become chairman of the board for Austin's Pet, Pets Alive, which is another phenomenal right. organization, I, it, it probably wouldn't have spoken to me. So it was really easy for me to say yes. And I know that's something you're struggling with right now, Seychelles, yeah. is, is you know saying, we, saying no to say yes. Yeah, that's actually something I'm an active, active failure on right now. And that is when my battery level gets low, um, I naturally want people to be happy. I, I enjoy like harmony. And so when I get really tired and really run down, mm. I say yes instead of no. That's good to know about you. And it, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just wait until I'm really <laughs> down and then give me a call. Um, <laughs> I, gotta, I, gotta, I need to say shell for something. Yeah, <laughs> just wait till I'm really tired and then I'll, I'll probably say night. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's something to be aware of. And I think it's, it's something where I am actually having to put systems around that um, to help protect my personal mission. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to put somebody else in charge of my calendar even yeah. to help protect that mm-hmm. because I know when I'm tired, it's going to fill up real fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And That's interesting. Can well, we dig into that? Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a great question. Because it seems kind of opposite. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. You feel like yeah. when you're tired, you should just say no. Um, you know, I, I think being raised by two entrepreneurial parents and having, you know, worked since I was 16 and and taking 21 hours a semester. Like, I think I'm just used to having a lot of bandwidth of energy. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a habit, I believe, mm-hmm. that I've created over a long period of time that if I have free space, it will get filled with something productive. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm just sitting there eating bonbons, you know, like hanging out doing nothing. Like the space gets filled where it's giving back and teaching or it's um, helping somebody else move their life forward, or it's lead generating, or it's, you know, doing other things that are productive. And at the same time, though, when I'm not creating systems around how to do that in mass instead of one-on-one, it can it can make you really well, busy, for, right? Yeah, and, what I, and what's interesting is I think a lot of us on, who are very entrepreneurial, yeah. we have been rewarded in the past for our productivity. I agree. And I'm sure you have too. You know, yeah. you've got two basically entrepreneurs 
as parents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for me, what I realized, and I did a lot of reflecting on this last mm-hmm. year, um, and I totally see see myself in you, Seychelles, this year, but um, <laughs> I found out that I really uh, love being needed. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It, it, yes. it, it actually was like almost like, it's almost like a drug. Yes. Yes. Like, it's that dopamine hit yes. of you solve somebody's problem or yes. you help somebody exactly. move to the next phase and there's a dopamine yes. hit. Yep. And so yeah. like, oh, yeah. I need it and then I solved it, right? Uh-huh. And so what I had to do is I created like five questions and I'm going to post them. We'll share them in, in, um, the, show in the show notes for okay. this. But I created five questions that I asked myself before saying yes to something. Ooh, um, I love even that. before saying yes to this podcast, I went through the questions you to make sure it was... what some of them are? Was, I know we don't... I'm putting you on yeah. the spot here. Well, but... a, big, a big one is... I was going to dive in here, but a big one is, does it match my personal values, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we're we're about to dig into values, and which I'm super passionate about that topic. Mm-hmm. But is this aligned with the values that I share and in my mission for my life, which is having an impact? And so, when you do that, it's way easier to say no because if one of them does not match up, then mm-hmm. you you quickly say, okay, that doesn't match up. I had an opportunity to speak um, with someone pretty amazing. I mean, most people would jump at it. And after researching the person more, I just realized they didn't match who I was about. And then my that. my name would be associated. And so I was just like, you know what? Because wow. it was a no, all four, the five questions, four were yeses. Mm. One was a, one was one a was no. A no. And so it was just no. a quick no. I love that. And so like that. making sure building clarity around how to say yes, mm-hmm. how to say no. Because if not, I'm telling you, I mean, especially as our empires are growing, Absolutely. like, I mean, we're being pulled in our so many different directions. Our time is our most precious, precious exactly. resource. Yep. It's, it's literally, the, it, it, it is, and I know for all of us, yes. time is, way more valuable than money. Yeah. And probably for a lot of you out there, you're feeling that same way. And just to give you an example of saying, you know, how saying yes is a no to everything else. I met a woman when I was speaking a couple of years ago and she came up and she said, I want to share a story with you. Um, she said, I was having a conversation with my husband and he, and, and I was telling him, I said to him, I, I think I have a, I think I have a yes problem. You know, mm. I, I say yes to my school. I say yes to my clients. I say yes to the church. I say yes to my friends. And he turned to her and he said, well, that's really interesting because you say no to me and the children all the time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And she's crying. And yeah. She told me that story. Yeah. So guys, you know, we don't have unlimited time. Mm-hmm. Every yep. yes is a no to literally mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how do you how do you put the framework, Wendy? I know you've done some work around this, but let's un, let's unpack the mission for a second, and then we'll take a break. Okay. Um, but what are the what are the steps that you put into creating that mission for someone? Yep. Well, so it's really easy to to create a mission because it is very intimidating, mm-hmm. like I was saying before. So I have a little framework for helping people create their mission statement. Um, and so for those of you listening out there, get a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle of it. You guys can do it here with me. Yeah. Um, just draw a line down the middle of that piece of paper. And on one side, I want you to write uh, passions. And then on the other side, write what I'm good at. Okay. And then just do a brain dump. Obviously, we're not going to do it here. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be a five-minute brain dump for you. But everything you're passionate about could be cats. It could be makeup. It could be clothing. It Mm -hmm. could be real estate. It could be people. 
um, all of the things. And then I want you to, um, at the end of that, really look hard at that list and circle the one or two things that you're really the most passionate about out of all those things. Mm. And, you know, because I think a lot of us are passionate about shoes, but, you know, not passionate (laughs) enough to really, you know, start make our personal mission about it. Exactly. (laughs) Although if that's yours, it's totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, and then the other column is everything that you're good at. So you might be a good problem solver, like, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, or you might be good at facilitation, or maybe you're good at, at, at being a logical thinker, Mm -hmm. whatever all those things are. And then when you look at that, circle your top three. Right? So you got your top one or two on passions and your top three, what I'm good at. And then you create what I call a through statement. And so just to give you an example is Gary Keller's um, mission, and hopefully I don't butcher this too much, is to help people live their best lives. That is the thing he's most passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Through, that's your through statement, through writing, teaching, and coaching. Love right? that. And look at his life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's look doing at his life. that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's a direct reflection. Yeah. yeah. And again, guys, you're dating your mission statement. You're not married to it. There's no pressure around that. Uh, just And then just put it somewhere public and you just you just keep looking at it. Love it. Yeah. I love that. We're going to dig in now to values, which is really one of my passions mm-hmm. in terms of creating a culture. And I didn't actually know it was a passion at first. <laughs> uh, because what ended up happening is my organization started to grow mm-hmm. and it got bigger and bigger. And um, the original agent that I had hired on my team came in my office one day and said, who, who are these people that we're hiring? And they don't match what oh, you're about. Wow. I'm hearing what they're saying. I'm seeing their actions wow. and they don't match what you're about. Wow. Well, and slap in the face. It, it was, but it was the yeah. truth. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. We had hired people without digging into, first of all, creating our values, mm-hmm. right? Creating the values and then hiring around those values. That's right. And for us in my organization, it's so important for us to hire around them. Yes. Right? What are and your values? Just out of curiosity, so, in case but, the listeners are yes. curious. <laughs> so first and foremost, I believe in a team model, right? Yes. And so being a team player. Mm-hmm. So you don't want um, someone to come into your organization some people, I mean, having a solo um, business, there's no harm in that, but there is harm in that on the Reynolds team (laughs) because we're about building a team. And so being a team player. Um, Second, I know this is shocking news to you guys, but competition (laughs) is a a core value of Sarah Reynolds. Um, And just making sure that we are focused on having fun with competition Mm -hmm. though. Um, A lot of sales people love competition, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a third, a big... Part of that is why we do what we do, which is about our community, mm-hmm. right? And giving back to our community, giving back to worthy causes. For me, I'm so passionate about that because we're in an industry with a pretty yes. large profit margin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I believe that was a gift that or, we've been given. It can be a pretty large profit margin. It yes. can be, yes, yeah. if you run it correctly, yeah. yes. Um, and so when you do, I believe that you know, gift uh, money is good for the good it can do, uh, as Seychelle said earlier. And so because of that, you better be doing some good with That's what right. you've been right. given, That's right? right. That's right. Um, and so those are the three sort of core. We have a few other ones, but those are the three sort of core ones that we mm-hmm. look at. And so we started sort of hiring around that. Okay. I love that. So ours are similar and a little different. Um, ours are fast-paced. We believe we yes. can't drag you by the hair. Yep. Um, and I have a lot of hair, so I really don't want to drag you by it. Uh, we, we need somebody, right? That's fast paced. They they want to they want to really get in and get going. Yes. Uh, they're client based. Yep. 
um, and a servant heart, which kind of plays to your team. Yes. Atmosphere a little bit, like who are you when nobody's looking? How do you serve the client? And most importantly, how do we serve each other? Yes. And I think that goes to our community, everything, right? That servant heart we really look for. And then are you are you learning-based? Yes. Do you want to grow? Yep. Um, and if we don't see those four pieces in there, it's yep. really difficult for us to and move those are all part higher. of our other ones. Yeah. Yeah. The, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Well, so how do you hire? How do you hire to that? So for us, what we did was we developed, uh, first and foremost, we developed different ads mm-hmm. to attract okay. each value. So we have an, an ad like on Indeed or... Well, you know what? Actually, before we get into that, yeah. can we just go back to uh, like, how did, how, how did you go about creating mm. those values, right? Yes. Good question. Um, for, for us, it was really, a lot of it come, reflects me as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you uh, know me as a leader, you know that those things are who, I, who I'm about mm-hmm. um, and making sure we surround ourselves. So taking the white space, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. making sure you take time to like, what am I about? And who, who do I want part of the organization that is about those things as well? Mm-hmm. Well, and just, I'm sorry, I just keep jumping in because I've never heard the story. It's super fascinating to me. Yes. So if I can if I can interrupt here a little bit, Sarah, I'm just curious about that defining moment because it truly was a defining moment was. for you mm-hmm. where you yep. had a, someone come into your office and, and basically not slap you in the face, but it felt like yeah. a slap in the face. And is that really when you said, oh, wow, I need a framework for, for who yeah, I, I mean, in my organization? One of the things she said to me, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, but one thing she said to me was, I, I know what you're about and what we're building here, yeah. but they don't know what we're about. Because we haven't defined what we're about. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not defining what we're about, of course, we're going to be attracting people that aren't about that, right? Which we're going to dig into a little bit later. But focusing on, okay, what is is the definition of what our values represent? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I started with was focusing on my personal values, Mm -hmm. right? What's important to me in terms... What am I passionate about the place that I'm leading, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and so really digging in and having that white space to create sort of your values, your personal values around that. And then the other piece is we looked back at, you know, um, who are some people that we have let go mm-hmm. that might not have fit? And then, okay, making sure that we are focusing on what what were the qualities we're looking for that yes. they didn't match, right? Yes. Right? right? And then focusing on those. And so we were able to sort of outline the three major ones, but then there are additional ones that we go over as well. But defining well, and them. I, and you know, Jay always says this to me and it probably comes from, comes from Gary, which is, you know, it's easy to love the upside of someone, mm, right? Yes, but what's yes. the downside? Yeah. Can you live with that? Yep. Mm-hmm. So true. Can you so live true. with that downside? Yep. Yeah. Seychelle, how did you go about uh, defining your values? That, uh, thank you for asking that, Sarah. You know, I wish I could say we had some like epiphany moment for us, Mm -hmm. um, but I think it really was failing our way forward to that. Mm. Um, And so we lucked out with our first hire and it was, I'm going to say it was luck because it was absolutely pure luck, right? Um, And she's been with us 18 years. And so we thought we were brilliant at culture and hiring because we knew her from outside of building our business before. She worked in volunteer organizations that we were similar with. So we were similarly yoked already. And so she just naturally like folded right in with us. And then we made our second hire. And I mean, to say it was a bomb would be a very gentle understatement. And it was un- it was unfair to her, right? Because we, it, right? Like Gary always says, who asked who to marry who? Well, in hiring, oh, it's so that true. same way, yeah. right? Like we asked them to work for us. So it's on us if that fails. It's yeah. not their fault. That's our fault. Um. And I 
was like 22 and I had made my second I hire. Mean, I don't want to just whiz over that. Seriously. Like that, yeah, maybe there I was like a that was sorry. Like a, that was like a truth bomb. <laughs> yeah. Seychelles. Yes. That was I, incredible. Yeah. Who asked who to marry them? Yes, right? it is on who, us. Who offered that job to yes. that person? Right. Yes. Absolutely. And if it's not the right fit, you should be apologizing to them when yes. you're letting them go. That yeah, is 100% like, accurate. Is 100% my mistake. Yes. I'm no. really sorry about that. Yeah. And I, I take that really. Seriously, I mean, I think all three of us do here at the table, but that's that's something that I really learned, um, fortunately and painfully, very early on in my career was that second hire was a total bomb and it was 100% my fault. Yeah. And I felt terrible because I our pace was not there. We were like burning her into the ground because we were so used to a really quick clip and we were dragging her, like we talked about, by the hair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we found that she wasn't wanting to help other people. She wasn't wanting to serve, Right. And so we could start seeing the failures, to your point, Sarah, you said earlier, right? Like of all the things that weren't reflective of who we thought we were hiring showing up. Yep. And it really, I think, then crystallized as we've succeeded and failed with people over time. Um, I think we're getting better and better and better and better at identifying, you know, with an 85 to 90% success rate now before somebody comes yeah. in on the team, who's yeah. going to succeed and who's going to fail. It, well, um, the reality is, is we're all hiring out of pain. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, a absolutely. lot of people are hiring out of pain. A lot of people don't have a process or their process might be a 30-minute interview. Mm -hmm. And what can you really learn about someone in a 30-minute conversation with them? Right. And we're going to do a deep dive into our next episode where we talk about the process for like making sure the right people are on the team. So I hope you guys tune in for that. But at the end of the day, it's... um, It's on us. It's on us. It's on us. And it's it's really... They need to know what type of opportunity they're saying yes to in terms of what you're about. If you haven't defined your values and what you're about, like shame on us for not giving them the op- op- right. option. Because now we we set that up up front. Mm-hmm. Right. They know yes. what we're about. And if they're not about those, they have an opportunity, an opportunity to say, to say that's, no. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I but want. if we don't have them defined, yeah. so if we haven't defined our mission, like we yeah. talked about, if we haven't defined our values, if we're not like casting the vision, right, then... It's, they're not, they don't have the opportunity to say yes or no. Yeah. They don't know what they're saying yes or no and to. And if we're right? not doing that at this point in our organizations, we're going to look up and I don't know what kind of culture you're going to have created. I mean, I think about mm-hmm. companies that have notoriously bad culture, like for yeah. instance, Enron. Mm. I was reading in the New York Times this morning about Intel and mm. it was all about Intel's culture. Intel is 110,000 employees. Wow. wow. And so how do you yeah. create culture? And now they've got this thing where you open up your computer and it just says one Intel. Uh, um, and it just, it's a great article if you can if you can is jump on it. But I mean, if we're not doing it at, yep. you know, when we're at this stage, what is it going to look like when we start to really massively scale our organization? So yeah. really, guys, that concludes our episode for today. First one on First culture. One on First culture. episode yeah. on culture, yeah. I mean, yeah. You guys can tell we're super passionate about this. We can <laughs> yes. do 10 episodes on culture. <laughs> totally. Because good. it really is, you know, aside from knowing why, why your organization exists, having mm-hmm. a culture... Um, is really, it's the lifeblood of your organization for sure. So we hope you guys tune in next time. And uh, thank you for joining us on this this last episode of Empire Building. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.